Welcome everybody to the Business Geeks podcast where we uh, where we geek business. I'm Super Joe Pardo and I'm joined today by my wonderful two co-hosts. This week our discussion topic is profitable pricing strategy and uh, I I know I have quite a bit to say I was thinking about this uh over the course of this past week and uh I I know I have quite a bit to- quite a bit to talk about this week we also uh have some grind my gears that came up and as well as one cool thing that includes google drive so uh i'm, I'm looking forward to, to learning more about that because i use google drive pretty often jennifer crawford the co-founder of sparent.co jennifer how are you feeling tonight uh, that's a great question, Joe. I'm so glad you're concerned. I am feeling pretty pretty good, especially since I just saw that Lou Hastings, our hashtag master, is in the house tonight. Missed, we missed him, missed him last week. I, I am doing good. We had a beautiful day today. I've gotten my exercise in. I got a shower in. I was fairly productive. It's a good day. That's called a good day around here. Yeah, yeah, I would say I would say it is. If you actually get a shower, it's a. I mean, <laughs> having having two kids in the house, I you know it it creates a issue with getting showers and that uh, having any kind of privacy time. But uh, yeah, it's a good day if you get a shower, especially in quarantine mode. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm just I'm just having a hygiene because I'm a hygienic person. There's no pressure. Like there's no oh I'm going to see somebody today kind of hygiene. This is just this is just me being a clean person. <laughs> good, to, good to know that you're growing up. <laughs> adulting, adulting hard over here. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I'm also we're also joined by Samantha Riley of SamanthaRiley.global. How are you feeling tonight, Sam? I'm doing so well, guys. I didn't realize that having a shower before 10 a.m. means I have totally smashed the day. I am so excited. Thanks for bringing that up, Jennifer. I'm feeling so much better about myself and hashtag lose back so great that you're back Lou we were we were very confused last week without our hashtags to you know to carry us through our episode yes absolutely absolutely and how about you Joe how are you doing today I am or this really evening annoying. on your side of the world yes oh evening. tell us yeah, what's going noise. on I, I well I, I'm taking over the garage as a as a as my only means of office we've been moving forward here but we're getting carpet put in like carpet tiles put in this garage soon soonish and because of that I was like Hey, you know, I should probably bring my my good mic down, you know, the fancy mic down. And I had everything working. A shout out to David O'Steele who helped me make sure that everything was working fine in StreamYard earlier today around like 10 o'clock. And now here we are, 8 o'clock, just like 10 hours later or whatever that math works out to be. I'm not sure. It doesn't work properly like it's supposed to. So I don't have the ding. Like I'm, I'm hitting the dings, but you're not hearing it. Oh, no. Yeah. We've got no Belgian. What are we going to do? Yeah, we were no. all so excited. I know. I, I, and I have voice modulation now, too. I can uh, sing to you. In, no, in, no, please don't. <laughs> but but it's, it's, okay. it's modulated. So I actually sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go on strike. I just want to say, because I, I worked so hard to get the ding, to get the bell. We got the bell, and then the bell is gone. It's more like a cowbell. But... I was going to say, that sounds like you're in the, uh, the in Austria, waiting for the, the cows to come down the hill. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. hopefully I'll, I'll get this sorted out. I have, I got a, another desk. I'm going to move off of this, this folding table finally, and get my stuff all configurated the way it should be. So, well, I'm glad that we've got you here, Joe, anyway. Yes, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy I was able to at least get this working in time for us to go live. So this week we're talking about profitable pricing strategy. Uh, Who wants to take a crack first at at what that really means? Like, Look, Jen is always, always the person that frames this show so well. Jen, give us some context. Well, what we're talking about uh, when we talk about pricing strategy is the method in which you're calculating how what to charge for your products or services. So it's not a random decision, right? A lot of things go into it. And depending on what you're selling, whether it's a product, a service, an event, there are a lot of different models that you can choose from. So that's that's what we're going to talk about because the thing that I hear a lot from small business owners, the thing that they struggle with is what to charge 
Mm. for what Mm. they do or for what they sell. So, you know, that's how we pick our topics on the Business Geeks podcast is we try to think about the things that we're hearing from other business owners that they struggle with and that, Mm. you know, that they have to ponder more than, than the normal. So this is one of those things. And so we want all, we want ourselves to be profitable in business. We want you to be profitable in business. So let's talk pricing. Absolutely. Can I just say one of the biggest problems that I see when new clients come on, and when I say new, not just new clients for myself, but new into the business world, is that when they pull their first price, they pull it out of thin air. Think, oh, that looks about right. And once you pop it in the spreadsheet and have a look, you're like, Mm-mm, not going to do it. So we're not, we're going to talk about how to price your products and services without just pulling that price out of the air and praying and hoping that it's going to work and praying that you'll be in business in 18 months time. Ooh, well, this is, a, this is an important topic also because I love to quote stats from studies and there is a study I cannot name that says 60%. <laughs> so I love doing that too. 60% of shoppers say price is the most important factor in their purchasing decisions. 60%. Mm. So this is this is another reason why we need to talk about this because we don't want you losing customers because mm. you priced yourselves poorly. And that doesn't mean that you didn't price yourself low enough because I want to talk about that. I, I, am mm. not, I am not one that's like ready to race to the bottom. So, um, so yeah. Well, actually, can I just touch on that for a second, Jen? So I would imagine that a lot of people have heard that stat, 60%, and automatically thought or assumed that what that means is that people, 60% of people would choose the lowest price. And I would say that that's actually a wrong assumption in that a lot of times, if you are the lowest price, that will actually mean that people won't choose you. So that's a really interesting stat on its own and how to pull that apart. Because I know that if I'm looking at a service and there's one price that's a lot lower than the others, that will generally make me think, oh, what, what's wrong with that one? The, oh, that's, is that, ah, that's, that's a cowbell. I got a right? cowbell. Yeah, better than the cowbell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to, sometimes you got to use the XLR cables to uh, get that in. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, what we I, do at Business Geeks. <laughs> it sets off the alarm, right? Like, oh, why why is this so much cheaper? Am I pricing apples for apples? I mean, that's one of the things that, like, the bed industry, you know, does. They're like, oh, we'll match any price on the same identical thing. But, like, it's never actually identical because they have their own, you know, unit numbers for each bed that they are buying. But it's just one of those things where it's like, does the price make that much of a difference? And sometimes it can, sometimes it can't. That's where reviews can be helpful, but then even reviews can be faked. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's like buyer beware, no matter what you're trying to uh, to accomplish there. And it really, you know, rhyme, it can but. depend on what you're looking at. Like I, I'm a sucker for an expensive shampoo and conditioner. Like I don't want the cheapest shampoo and conditioner because in my head I'm like that is going to make my hair fall out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like oh if I if I spend more on the shampoo and conditioner I am going to have like you know Goldilocks on my head. So <laughs> you know neither extreme is actually true, but um, but I do tend to spend you know for the the more expensive luxury brands in that category. So mm. yeah, you know, and I, but I automatically assume that if the shampoo and conditioner is cheap, that it's no good. So, all right. So let's take an example for, for let's say, let's go with a product first and then we'll go mm-hmm. with a di- maybe a digital product and then we'll go with like a service. That sound good? So physical sounds, product. Sounds good. Digital yep. project. Okay. Project, product. And uh, <laughs> I talk good. <laughs> and then we'll go with a service. Yeah. So let's let's start with the the physical product. Who who wants to go first? Well, I can go first because I I've owned stores, so I, a lot of my career I've had or I've sold physical products. In actual fact, I find it easier to price physical products than I do with services because you can touch it, you can feel it, you can smell it. It's there and. People can compare on price if someone else is selling the exact same product. So a lot of times our physical products are 
uh, we have a recommended retail price that we need to work on. So that makes it a lot easier because we know kind of where we're, we're sitting. Some suppliers will let you move outside of those recommended retail products and some suppliers don't. One of our manufacturers would not let us sell for lower than RRP. So that's, you know, that makes it really quite easy. But exactly like you were saying, Joe, we need to we need to have a look at what our costs are to make sure that holding those physical products is going to bring us a profit. And I know a lot of times that people think that the most expensive product is going to bring the best profit, but this is where you really need to know your numbers because sometimes it is not the case. And I know, Jen, you had something you were going to drop there like, like gold. No, not not gold. I just want to throw a curveball into the product because I used to run an art gallery. And so we would sell art. And so artists had a, you know, this was a, a particularly challenging thing for artists because yes, they had hard costs, like the cost of the canvas, the cost of the paints, the cost of the supplies, and they knew how much time typically it would you know take to, to create their original piece of art but they didn't really have much to compare it to like mm. a cost comparison because it was an original piece of art and the you know pricing art has so many subjective factors and so what would you recommend I, you know we we worked with artists in helping them come up with their pricing and and a lot went into that decision but it's a little bit different than a product that you can cost compare to other That's products. super well, different, Jen. You I, did I throw a curveball. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll take a swing at that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, figuring out how many you can produce a year, um, you know, how many hours a, a week you're willing to work, and you, you kind of have to extrapolate it out to figure out, like, what's this piece worth? And then, you know, I would at that point look at, like, okay, can I add – an extra 20, 10, 20, 30%, depending on my name, 40%, 80%, depending on like, if there's a demand for my art, you know, then you can go up, up and up and up from there. But like, just to get the basis, like, look, if it takes me, you know, 20 hours to make it, that means I can make effectively like two, maybe three a week. If I don't really want to, if that's what I want to spend the, the extra hours of my weekend. And that's the only way I'm going to make money. Uh, you know, I, to me, I would like set a goal, like, okay, I want to make, you know, $30,000 a year from this and then work backwards from there. I think with the art, I think what we're talking about here is a little bit different than your regular product because there is nothing to compare it against. And I think what you just said then, Joe, what's this worth? I think this, that's a really interesting question. And I think that goes more to what I would say with the service in that, what it's worth is probably the worth that you give it with a piece of art. Like it's all about confidence and, you know, because why is it that some people can, you know, sell a canvas that's just black with nothing on it for a million dollars and some people can't sell it for two? You know what I mean? It is subjective and it's the confidence that the person, you know, is handing that across with. Yeah. So, I mean, there's things. Okay. So I was taking it from a standpoint of just getting started, right? Mm, Or mm. or just getting started and actually selling. So you might have been painting for five years, but you haven't really like a good friend of mine who passed away a couple of years ago. He was just getting really into doing artwork. Uh, like in the year, two years prior to him passing. And like, he, he was just painting like crazy. Like he, his whole house is just filling up with these amazing paintings. And I'm like, dude, why don't you sell them? He's like, well, I, I mean, I could, but I don't know. And he's a rapper. He was a rapper. Um, so he had a following and everything, but he just chose to not. And I'm like, dude, if you sold this, like you wouldn't have to like work at Home Depot on this, like as, mm. as part of your gig to like make the money to like survive like you could just these are incredible so you know and, and like Lou said hashtag demand can determine pricing mm. um so i yeah art i think is a is a weird thing but i i would start with your costs and and you know time and kind of figure out like what is the bare minimum that you could sell for add 20 percent, see if you sell one and then go from there Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Lou. I mean, with art, there is a a really huge demand factor that comes into play. Like, are, do people actually want what you create? Are they, Mm. does it speak to them in some way? And and then if it does, uh, other factors come into play. The most successful artists I've seen have been the ones that have qualities very similar to other successful businesses. They, they get out there and they, they market themselves and they work and they improve their craft and they network and they, they make sure to um, enter their artwork and all the shows and to, 
increase their visibility in any way that they can. And so it's, you know, the pricing might be a little, a little more slippery with art, but I think it, it might not be as, as slippery as it might seem on the surface. Mm, good point. Good point. So, so back to the physical products that, yes. you know, mm -hmm. are like, you know, uh, I guess a little more commonplace outside of an <laughs> art gallery. Uh, mm. You know, one of the, one of the things I always uh, I always thought about when we were buying these these products from our, our the manufacturers or the vend you know the vendors that we were buying them from, like the the sheets where they'd be like, oh, this is how much this brake shoe costs to make, and I'm like, I would hate to be the accountant that has to figure out how much like steel, like raw steel material, how much like weight it takes like it's like a very complex math problem versus like here's a can of spray paint it's 3.99 and, like, mm. and then i'm selling it for 6.99 like that to me is like oh man you just made my job like so much easier right versus mm -hmm. like how much did it take you know all the mathematics that go into figuring that out but on the retail side it is a heck of a lot easier to to figure out like okay what's the base amount and to sam to your point of like what's the most profitable our most profitable things were the cheapest things <laughs> like you know the yeah. butt connectors the wiring the, the the things that were like oh it's ten dollars well it costs us like a dollar fifty and we're you know we have a huge markup on it uh, yeah and people don't buy an eye because it's like yeah it's only like five bucks it's only ten bucks but the thing is is when you're playing that profit percentage game that's where you're gonna you know make up that percentage that you're losing every time you sell the big expensive break drum hundred percent and that's where you really need to know your prices uh and also what your costs are so what's your rent what's your staff cost what's your you know your electricity your amenities all of those costs you need to know what they are and uh and you need to do some market research and competitive comparison now I'll, i can give you an example of these when we had our we one of the stores that we had sold dancewear and one of our competitors advertised that they would give 10% off for every dancer that came into their shop. And I remember thinking, well, that's a bit weird because everyone that comes into your shop's a dancer. We're selling dancewear. And I just thought that, you know, that was my first business and I was quite new in business, but I even I knew that that was a bit of a silly marketing ploy and not quite right. Because what I also discovered was what they did was put their prices on their shelf up by 10% so that when they gave the 10% discount, they were selling at the normal rec retail. So because I knew my prices so well, I knew exactly what I had to cover. What I decided to do was sell at rec retail. So sold at cheaper in the first place. And then I would charge people to purchase a, a, um, a VIP card that would give them the 10%, which meant that they were coming back. But I charged them to do that because I didn't want people that were just coming in purely based on price because they're not good customers. So this is where it's really important to know your costs so you know where you can wiggle and move. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there is there is that two, two schools of thought, right? Like when, um, when the creator of the Apple stores went to become the president of JCPenney's, like, forever ago he like completely revamped and jc bank still admittedly hasn't recovered from this but basically he was like we're not doing the uh, bed bath and beyond 20 percent off things anymore no more sales the price is what it is and we're just going to make the price as competitive as we possibly can and people are like yeah no i want the sales like give me give me the sales like i need that sale and and it's it's a difficult piece because the reality of the price is is the reality of the price versus like oh it's a sale and it's like well it's not really a sale like Ah, so that's where positioning is really, really important, right? Where are mm -hmm. you positioning yourself in the market? So obviously, and I don't know the store name, so forgive me if I get this wrong, but I'm assuming that JCPenney's is like a a, a budget. Macy's or... Okay, yeah. Like, yeah so it's like, it's, like a, it's like a budget Macy's. Yeah, so they've positioned themselves in the market where their customers like that you know when we positioned ourselves in that in the dancewear industry all those years ago i didn't want to be the budget i wanted to be the premium retail store where people could come and 100 percent know that they were going to get the most knowledgeable service because i'd been in dance for a really long time so i wasn't just anyone selling a pair of dance shoes i was someone with a large dance background so i used that weight to be able to position myself in the market so i think with products you need to know where you're positioned who that customer is and 
price accordingly because even with products, it's not purely about the product. It can be around the knowledge or the service behind selling that product. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the things you've been touching on, uh, Samantha, particularly with your uh, dance store background, is honesty in pricing. Like th- to me, that's really important. And I think I think it's something that is uh, important in today's marketplace. I think customers have a lot less patience with you know that sort of sleight of hand pricing where we we mark it up and then we call it a sale when we take ten percent off. Uh, we're pretty savvy consumers these days because we have the internet at our hands and we can really price compare. Um, I, I was thinking back to, do you guys remember when Saturn came in, came into the, the car world and there, there are no Saturns anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't even know what Saturn is. <laughs> so Saturns, Saturns came into the car marketplace and their whole thing with the Saturn is when you bought a Saturn and you went to the dealership, it was one price. There was none of this like haggling, trying to get the best deal, trying to yeah. figure out where it was like, this is how much a Saturn is. We've priced them fairly. This is, you know, this is it. Like you don't have to go through that whole uncomfortable process of wondering if you're getting ripped off at the car dealership. And I don't remember. Yeah. And yeah, we definitely are. (laughs) And nobody likes that. Nobody likes going in and like feeling like they're getting ripped off. Like every time I have to go in and like at a dark car dealership, it just feels (laughs) gross. And I'm like, I don't feel like they're telling me the truth and I can research the heck out of it. But at the same, you know, but the bottom line is you're like, you want to walk out with a car. So they really um, had a great consumer response when they did this. I don't remember what happened to Saturn. I think in the end, they weren't great cars, (laughs) but, but their pricing model was so refreshing at the time. And it was, and a lot of people we're buying Saturn simply because it was an honest experience. I want to piggyback off something that you you were going at, Sam, with like no not knowing your the prices and stuff of what things cost, and n- never put it like take it out of your mind that you can get better pricing with bulk pricing, right? Like mm-hmm. buying more and and getting better about, and even just asking because sometimes they don't have like a blue sheet or 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 a. Yeah, you know, whatever they're gonna call their their pricing sheet, uh, they don't necessarily list it there. So you, sometimes you have to ask, like, hey, if I buy like a hundred of these or a thousand of these, how much lower can I get it? And then once you know that, you can look and say, oh, my competitor, that's why they're offering it for ten percent cheaper than than or twenty percent cheaper than I'm giving it because they're get the, obviously they're buying it in bulk and they're they're getting it or. In the case of the trucking industry, they're a dealership, so they're getting it like, oh, they, they don't have to buy a, tra- a trailer load of brake drums. They buy one pallet, and it's the same price as if I bought a trailer load because dealership reasons. And, and yeah, so it's it's hard to compete with that, right? Because we have to stock it. We have to move it, we, you know, touch it a lot. People get hurt. Workman's comp, like all those things, like pile on to how you can like you know sell something for about eight dollars more than you bought it for when, mm, when it's mm. like 60 to you're buying it for 59 and have to sell it for 65 because competitors like it's it's ridiculous well that's where you really have to know your unique value right like your like like samantha's dance store she knew her unique value to her customers is that she had a dance background she spoke their language she knew their needs intimately um, and that was reflected in the products and, and how she was able to serve her customers. So if I'm a dance person, I want to go and buy from another dancer because they know my needs. They get it. They get my life. You know, I was thinking about Tom's, you know, shoes. I have a couple pair of Tom's. They fall apart after a while, but I still buy them because every time I buy them, they give another pair, they give a pair of those crappy shoes to somebody who needs them. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of cute. I mean, they're not that, like, they're not bad shoes. They're really comfortable, but they don't last forever. And they're not super cheap. Like, I think they're like 50 bucks a pair or something. And there's no Tom. You know that, right? There's no Tom, right? There's no Tom. Yeah. (laughs) There's no guy named Tom. That's okay. It's okay. I don't care. Um, (laughs) I don't care if there's a Tom. I just, I never really thought about it, actually. But really, Uh, I mean, I buy them because I'm like, I, I like what they're doing. Like, I'm okay paying a little bit, probably more. Um, for this shoe than I should because they're they're doing some good work. I love their story. I love I love what they're doing and they have tons of you know cool designs and stuff. So you know they know their unique value. Like it's their it's mm. their story. It's what their their social um, good that they're doing in the world. So yeah, it's not all about it's not all about <laughs> getting the best price. It's it's also like buying something because you believe in it. 
Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Just before we move on, because I think we're I think we're yeah. almost done with products. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about pricing before and rent and amenities, I think it's really important to think about the the, the other little things that go into a sale, like packaging credit card fees, maybe fees wherever your, you know, your Amazon, your seller fees um, and your freight, all of these things need to be taken into account. So it's whatever you're seeing as the price, don't just work it off the price of the product. You really need to look at what is the cost that it's going to, what does it cost me to be able to move that item? Yeah. And the taxes that you're going to end up paying on it too. Oh, just like... (laughs) Right. <laughs> I think I, rem- I think I, re- oh my goodness, I know this so well. I remember years ago being at a conference and being told that generally in retail, most of the time, your profit is 3%. That's a little number. <laughs> Make sure you take all the costs into account. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's people, you know, there's, re- if you're in a buying group, there's rebates, right? And like we would have uh, competitors that would just work off of those rebates that you get like mm. 18 months after you buy the thing. <laughs> like it's, and, and, you know, because they would just work on such razor thin margins. Yeah. yeah. I- we always paid attention to our rebates, always. <laughs> it's so important. Well, Tim here says consumers never realize all those fees, you know, all those costs. And it's so true. Like when, you know, years ago when I had a coffee shop, you know, we had to, you know, we calculated all of our expenses, the lids, the cups, the sleeves, the sugar, the the stirrers, like the cream, the, like every single thing that cost money. I mean, there was everything that you saw cost money. Like I didn't get anything for free. You did, there were times when we were kind of struggling because, you know, it's hard to make money in a mm. coffee shop. Like the, you know, coffee is, is cheap um, to, to purchase. So you have to sell a lot to make a, you know, mm. Starbucks money. Right. So, you know, people come in and I would, you know, I remember there was a day and there was like this regular customer and he would like pour out half his coffee and fill half the cup with cream. And I was just like, oh my God, his, that cup uh, would, that would like cost me like, you know, 80, 77 cents that, you know, that, that now is like costing me like $3 and he, I sold it to him for a dollar 40 or whatever it was like, because the, the cream was so much more expensive than the coffee <laughs> to me to purchase. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you're, you're dealing with margins like that like those things oh they can be really really damaging absolutely so right i mean i sell stuff on amazon too and it's such a yeah the amazon fees are ridiculous uh sometimes depending on what it is and then you still have to offer ship you know pay for the shipping on top of that which it's 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 one of those, it's like one of those things where it's like i'm trying mm. to like sell these old video games and they're like i'm the lowest price is like less than a dollar with free shipping and i'm like like i, I couldn't like I'm, I'm like screw it i'm doing a 4.99 and and it's like 2.99 shipping and it might take forever to sell it but i'm not i'm not gonna lose money to give it away totally so, so let's move on to digital products uh and, and so we don't backtrack across anything we've because obviously all the same things we've mentioned do apply to this but what specifically when it comes to digital products I think the biggest thing that people don't take into consideration is exactly the same thing that we've just talked about. They say, digital products cost me nothing, so everything is a profit without taking into consideration hosting costs or insurance, and let's hope they're insured, and all, you know, all of the other you know, CRM costs, our SaaS products, all of those things, they're thousands of dollars a month. So we still need to take those costs into account. Um, but when pricing, I think it's really important to note what is the problem that the product is solving. So if your product is solving a little tiny problem, then when you're pricing it, you can price your product a lot lower. But if your problem is solving a million-dollar problem, it's okay to sell it for $100,000, for example. That's still a great return on investment. Yeah. Well, look at the – like, so if you do a write a book on Amazon, right, KDP, and you do the, the – the you know, sell it for $0.99, cents, like, the most you can get is, what, 70%. So you get, like, $0.70. Cents. So it's $0.30. Cents. Like, Amazon has probably – unlimited space storage space for your you know one megabyte you know digital book (laughs) and yet still charges you 30 cents to host it on every Mm. single sale 
So, you know, like uh, Lou's saying, digital delivery is not free. Mm-mm. Even when you can mitigate the costs, like I'm working on doing by building the IndiePod uh, University. Uh, that That is being put together this week, actually. So, like, even trying to get every cost as low as I possibly can by not having to pay for hosting of said files and hosting of all this extra stuff... It's still there's still fees and you know there's still money involved, so it just means I can offer it at a lower price and not, you know, but I still can't give it away for free. It's still not to mention your time. time. Not to mention yeah, oh, your yeah. time. I mean, we didn't even talk about time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think time falls into into the digital product piece, whether it's the time of yeah. the the money, the time you're saving the person that's buying the digital product, or your time to cre- and or your time to create it. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, yeah, the time to create it, also the time that you've spent gaining the knowledge and experience mm-hmm. that you need to create something. I mean, these are not hard costs, but kind of soft costs, but they are important uh, because I think it's really easy to undervalue ourselves and undersell ourselves um, because we're really quick to discount our time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's, um, that's super, super important. And I think what we're talking about, there's a name for this. It's called value-based pricing. So it's, it's based on the value that you're bringing to your customer, how much they value um, the product or service, in this case, digital product that you're giving them. Like, what kind of value does it bring to them? Is it, did it really help them come up to speed on something that they need to learn to make their own business more profitable? Then that could be really valuable to them. So I like value-based pricing, personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that time and um, experience that we bring to the table is worth a lot more than people think it is. And I know that you just said that, Jennifer, but I really wanted to touch on that because uh, I saw a meme somewhere that was like, you know, that job that I helped you to deal with in 20 minutes is because I've been doing my thing for 20 years. Like yeah. that, that has a dollar figure attached to it. Yeah, I remember when we were... Um, back when we had when I had a, a co-working creative co-working space we had to revamping this old 1970s uh, auto body shop and we were working with an architect and we had to make a change uh, to the plans and it literally was her just moving it to us it looked like it, she was just moving one line and we got the bill for that and it was several hundred dollars and we were like what why we're not going to pay that we're not going to pay you several hundred dollars to move a line she's like you're not paying me seven hundred dollars to move the line you're paying you're paying for all the schooling and my knowledge because i knew i just had to move this line to make this this plan work to get it approved in the mm. office so um that was really kind of a slap in my like it woke me up i was like oh yeah that makes sense you knew what you were doing like i didn't mm. know that, that had to be done in order to get this plan approved so Wow, she was great for answering yeah. like that. I, yeah. I like, I like her teaching, teaching you, Jen, and yeah, and, and you were great for for accepting it as an answer, and not being like, no way, no way, I'm giving you that much money for for thirty seconds of your time. Yeah, I was. It was a wake up call. As soon as she explained it, I was like, here's the check. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> ultimately, if she didn't know what she was doing, then it could have cost me a lot of time um, and money, mm. try, you know, with uh, plans that were stalled that I couldn't get approved so we could move forward with opening our business. And, and potentially costing cheaper. you thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thousands yeah. of dollars. You could pay someone cheaper, but then they might have taken just as long to figure to finally figure that out mm-hmm. and would end up paying about, you know, about or as much as the same price anyway. So, mm. so, so when it also comes to digital products, like what other things do you, do each of you think about when, when trying to factor in the price? Well, obviously you, 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 you try to, this is almost hard to predict, but you obviously think about what people are willing to pay, right? Like, and whether you want to try to make money in a volume, like sell a lot at a reasonable price and make your money that way. Or if you want to consider uh, it a high-end item where you, you have less sales, but more money per sale. I think that that question, how much is willing to pay, how much is people willing to pay, can be a slippery slope. Yes, I agree. It really can be a slippery slope because you're bringing your own money lens to that table. Uh, and I remember the day I put my $97 product up to nine nine seven a month and 
the quest, a lot of people were like, oh my goodness, that, that's a big jump. But the question I had to ask myself was A, who's my client? B, what is the problem I'm solving? And C, what do I need to do to change that $97 product so it's now valued at $997? And I made that transition very, very quickly. Um, as in I did it within the month. So I think that when you're talking about how much is, are people willing to pay, think about the who you're talking about uh, because you may need to change that ideal client as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, Tim, Tim asked a question, what do you think of a loss leader online? Do you think there are any uh, there are any brand recognition? And he said maybe not a brand but a trusted seller. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think loss leaders need to be, you need to be careful about that. Cause like a lot of people like to throw that around. Like they know, like they know what they're talking about, but they, they don't know what they're talking about. Cause they don't know their numbers well enough to know whether or not it's actually a loss leader or they're just losing money. <laughs> like, uh, like unwillingly and unknowingly. So I, when it comes to online selling, <sighs> I don't know because it's it's tough because you're not getting somebody in your store, right? So it's one thing to have them in your physical store where you could be like, hey, if you buy this cable, like I'm going to sell this cable because I know a lot of people are going to buy it and I could I could sell it cheap to get them in the door to buy it so that they buy this. I mean, Best Buy did this for years with the CDs. They sold CDs cheap to get people in to buy it like so they'd sell washers and dryers and, and refrigerators and that big name stuff. So it, it, I don't know with online, it, it could be, it can be difficult, especially if you're like talking specifically about like Amazon, cause they're not necessarily going to your store. They're like just on there. And Tim says, I refuse to offer a loss leader. I think that it's a smart move refusing to offer it. If you don't understand the strategy, I know someone that did this very well and created like a nine figure business off the back of this strategy but he knew specifically the strategy and he knew exactly his his numbers the whole way through the funnel. So if people are doing it without understanding, definitely don't do it. It's a, it, it could be a very bad thing. But if you know and understand the strategy and you know what's happening, then it can work really well. But I would actually say that I don't think that many people would understand this strategy well enough to be able to pull it off. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think it's a pretty, oh, yeah. yeah. I think you have to be pretty sophisticated and probably have mm. deeper, deeper pockets than a lot of small business owners in order to, mm -hmm. to, uh, cause it's a, there's a bit of a risk there. Yeah. I, I just think for, yeah. for a typical small business person, like you don't need to get that fancy. Mm, yeah, I'm with you, Jen. I'm with you, Jen. It's you, you'd have to know that it was going to work off the back of it. Otherwise, <laughs> goodbye, business. Well, I think it also depends on who you're trying to compete against, right? So if you're trying to compete against the bigger the bigger players in that space, like that's where you need to to be able to do that. And or if buying more of said product enables you to like get to that next level pricing for everything, like that could mm. be an absolute game mm -hmm. changer for you and your business to be like, hey, I could sell a lot more. Like I sell a lot but i could sell a lot more of these if i just sold them cheaper and i and allows me to upgrade my pricing structure to the next level the next two levels so that all of a sudden i'm getting everything cheaper and it's okay that i'm only like i'm basically working off a rebate or something at that point for that product later on but it, it just depends like but then you really gotta you know sharpen your pencil and everything else right and that's one of the things i wanted to bring up is sometimes you know when you're thinking about pricing you have to look at expenses i'm a big i mean in, in my book i wrote extensively about like looking at the expenses and figuring out where you can cut them down you know in a way in, in where it makes sense to cut them down right where people are like oh you know especially people in offices are like oh i print everything well, why do you print everything? Well, because I want to have a copy of it. Like, okay, so when Mr. Fire comes around and like burns everything up, where's where's everything going to be saved? In the computer that's not on site, like in the cloud, right? That your your print everything mentality is one of those things that's like, yeah, paper's not that expensive, but ink cartridges definitely are, and it just you can just chew through that. Like, it's still things like that that uh it, you know if you can change the culture there of like mentality of like what am i printing why am i printing it like really going through that process it can make a huge difference to the bottom line and ultimately allow you to make more profit on the products that you sell mm. joe can you please just share with us the name of your book and where we can get that oh geez all right uh so i think that so the, 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 oh, yeah no, exactly 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's uh, sales won't save your business, and you can go to uh, sales won't. I think sales won't.com still works. Sale? No, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> if you if you go on Amazon, you can go, go sales won't save your business by Joe Pardo, and you can check it out. Awesome, nice. Always be selling there, Joe. Yeah, Always right. Be yeah, Joe, come on there. Drop the ball. Uh, what would you do without us? I, know. What would I, would, without us? I would sell three less books. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so when it comes to service based businesses, what added strategies would each of you add to that? Oh, this is Jen's wheelhouse. She's owned so many businesses it just blows my mind yeah yeah um you know i want i wanted to talk about uh subscription based, mm. based pricing uh, don't don't sam don't i've got i i love the subscription model maybe we're looking at it a little oh bit. no no i'm i that was a oh my goodness it's my favorite model oh, obviously okay. obviously <laughs> i gave off the wrong oh, vibes I, I, totally, I totally misread that i was i thought you were groaning like in pain like, oh I, like, no i was groaning animal. and this is sexy <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me take you back to let me take you back to let's see what year was this? Maybe the early two thousands. <laughs> a little history. So this I wanted to take you back to my first experience with this type of model, and I had a service based business. It was a pet sitting and midday dog walking company. I may have mentioned this previously. So the bread and butter of that business, believe it or not, was our midday dog walks. We walked. 300 dogs Monday a day, Monday through Friday. And what was happening was we, you know, a walker could only walk about five, five dogs a day, typically five to six, depending on how closely they were routed together. But we were having customers cancel all the time. So they would reserve a walker for Monday through Friday to come walk their dog in the middle of the day while they're at work. And they would cancel two or three times a week. Well, we were, you know, they'd cancel the morning of, so we, we couldn't replace the work for the walker. We lost the money. We were also like, ha you know, having administrative costs of like communicating with the walker when these cancellations were coming in. And I thought, well, we have these walkers, they have limited capacity on their schedule. These clients are literally, they're just, they're paying to reserve a, a time slot. So we were the first company to do this in the industry. We did flat monthly rates. So they could cancel, but they would still pay because they were keeping that time slot in a walker schedule. So what happened is we were able to charge less per walk. So they got, the clients got a little bit of a discount because we were, were we were having regular reoccurring in, income from them. There were, you know, no cancellations. We gave them a week, uh, I think two weeks a year where they could go on vacation and we wouldn't, we wouldn't charge them. Um, and they would often coordinate with their walkers. They'd have the same, same vacation. Anyway, so we, we were able to give them a little bit of a price break because of the subscription model. The walkers got regular predictive, predictive income. So we had a lot less turnover with our employees and we got a regular reoccurring revenue for our business, which the banks and creditors mm -hmm. love. So it was a win, win, win all around. And so since then, I've really loved the subscription model because I think in a lot of ways, it can be a triple win for businesses who are providing regular reoccurring services for their mm -hmm. clients. I love subscription models. And that that's a great, uh, a great case study there, Jen. And you were buff before your time. I was very cutting edge at the time. I will have to say, like, I would go to networking meetings, like in the pet world, the pet uh, sitting industry, and people thought I would, they thought I was going to lose all my customers. We lost three out of you mm. know, all of them, but we could afford to lose three. You know, it was, yeah. yeah, it was, believe me, I was like biting my nails when I did. I was like, oh, I might lose all my business, but. Yeah. If, if I still had my dance studio, I would definitely price on a subscription model. Now I would price differently. So when I did have my dance studio, I used to charge by the term. I would definitely do it over a 12 month, even payment pricing schedule purely to make sure that it was locked in. Uh, I would do it for uh, help helping the parents understand how much they're paying each week. And it just gives you so much stability in your business. It was so, yeah, there were so many, there were so many benefits, like, you know, because every month, you know, we'd get the calls, like, you know, questioning their bill because, oh, did you get all my cancellations? I thought I canceled that day. This took that, those calls away. Like there was no, mm. this is what you pay every month. It stays the same. I've been trying to convince my landscaping company that comes, it's a woman owned landscaping company. They do great work. 
They're so wonderful. I have a, I have a big yard that I'm not a gardener, so I need a lot of help with it. And I've been trying to get her to just charge me like the same amount every month, like just charge me some, you know, like let's figure it out, but charge me the same amount every month and then just come and just do whatever for that amount. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I just don't want to be an embarrassment to my, you know, to the neighborhood. Like I'm not, you don't have to like your <laughs> hands, anything, just, you know, the weeds and all that, put some mulch down. I don't know, but she's, you know, she, she hasn't done it. I haven't convinced her, but I'm still working on it. You gotta watch the show. Uh, absolutely. T- tag in, tag in the landscaper. <laughs> Paul's Legacy Landscaping in uh, Northern Virginia. <laughs> Get on it. So I so speaking of subscription models, I so with IndiePod University, which is uh, IndiePodUniversity.com, because you know we're supposed to be promoting our things. Uh, is, <laughs> How do you keep track of all of your uh, websites, Joe? That's what I want to know. You've got so I, many URLs. Well, so I put them all in one place. Which I was going to say, please tell there. me you have a spreadsheet. <laughs> we oh. have a spreadsheet that's called the business, and and it gets opened every day to find things. <laughs> No, I put I, I have them all registered with uh, dreamhost.com. That's where all my domains are registered with. I used to have, oh, yeah. have like two different places, but like it just helps. No, because otherwise, like I know people that are like, well, I got this name with like Namecheap and this name with like GoDaddy and this name with blah blah blah. And this name oh, see, blah, blah, I'm blah. one above you there, Joe. I know that all of mine are hosted at one place, but I've got a spreadsheet that's got every single page on a spreadsheet with the links to the sales pages, so that at any time we can just go in and say and send someone the link to that page so we know where everything is so Fast mine are move. mostly vanity right so so most almost all of the domains i own all point back to superjoeparo.com or indiepodcon.com or actually independentpodcastconference.com mm. but anyway so i'm looking at doing a subscription model with the with all the uh videos the conference videos that we have for from indie podcon i'm like well, you know, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what could I, what can I do for for pricing? And I was like, well, what if I just did? Because like right now, it's hosted all on Gumroad, which costs me nothing. It literally they 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 take a fee every time they sell it, and and that's fine. Like I can upload as much as I want to Gumroad, but it's not really elegant. It's not a great solution, and it's definitely not recurring income at all. So I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take the time. I'm going to open up IndiePod University. Thanks, Luke, for the hashtag into IndiePod University. And I'm just going to take all the videos and I'm going to put them into a membership, you know, side of the IndiePodCon website. So I was like, okay. For me, it was like, all right, easy. Five bucks a month, you get access to everything. And then $99 a month or $99 lifetime, you get access forever. Like, And I just keep adding more videos as we have more conferences and these virtual events, which we just had one this past weekend, which went really, really well. We raised uh, almost $500 for No Kid Hungry. Uh, it's a charity that feeds kids, obviously. <laughs> and uh, so it was a great it was a great time. But, uh, but yeah, taking all those videos, putting them into the uh, university. We have one in three weeks coming up on May 16th i believe it is it's a saturday uh we'll be doing one for community building for podcasting so anyway i was like well five dollars and then i was like you know maybe i should create a middle tier one a middle tier one that's a little bit more than five dollars a month one that's say between i'm 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 like leaning and you you can you can either of you can chime in here i'm leaning between like 7.99 to 9.99 and what you get for that is an added uh so we're going to do a, a, an added Facebook community just for people that are in the IndiePod University that just get like questions answered and all stuff. But like that also gets you the call, like a live call once with like the group, you know, a group live call uh, for that. And if you do the the one time fee, which right now is ninety nine dollars, it's been ninety nine dollars for since September with the uh, the Gumroad, you know, link and all that. Uh, you'll get access to that as well. So you buy in, you get lifetime access. You can jump in the call once a month and all that. But yeah, so like that, and and I mean, I'm hosting the website, so I'm already ho- I'm already paying for the hosting. Like that's not changing. The videos are all going to be hosted through YouTube, so it costs me nothing, right? So I have no cost there. The membership side is a plugin that does it literally cost nothing <laughs> so i'm just like you know I, I i think i can afford to do it for five bucks a month through an easy paypal subscription and we'll uh have more recurring income than than prior where i would sell you know every every couple of weeks i'd sell a couple of uh these 
you know, lifetime virtual tickets, but nothing significant. So the point being is, is that, you know, so, sometimes the pricing has to just make sense in, in a way that, you know, people are willing to buy it, right? Like people are going to set that price, whether, you know, they're either going to be like, yes, that's too much or that, no, it's not, it's not too much. Um, oh, yeah, I think it yeah. comes down to, is it a want or is it a need? If, you know, I, I sell my, I sell business coaching. So I help people to make money. If they're losing money in their business or if they're not doing so well and they want to, and they want to earn more money, then it's, it's sort of more of a need. It, it's not a, oh, eh, I can do that in a year. It's like, well, I can help you make a hundred thousand dollars next week. So, you know, is that something that you want right now? So I think it, it makes a difference to understand the outcome that you provide, you know, um, weight loss products or personal training services for a bride is much more of a need than for someone that has just decided, oh, maybe, you know, I've been eating too much comfort food over the, you know, the lockdown. Maybe I need to get some training, but I'm going to keep eating this, you know, mac and cheese and worry about that next week. You know, so it does come down to, is it a want or a need? How, how important is it right now? I just yeah. hate $5 pricing. I, I mean, it might as well be free. I mean, I just Aww. don't, I just don't under, I mean, I don't think it should be free. I'm just saying like $5 is like, a month? $5 a month is just not, I just, I hate $5 Yep. Period. Like I just I'm with you, it. Jen. I hate it so much. I can't even tell you what, how much. I, I am with pricing. you, Jen. You are. Oh, oh that's why we both went yeah. silent because I'm like, I, I don't know what to button. say yeah, right I, now. I'm it. It I mean, by the time you take out the PayPal fee, I mean, I don't know. It, I just feel like you're you're really not um, valuing it at all. And if you're not valuing it, then how is anyone else going to psychologically? value it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, so I, that, I mean, look, that's just the, the the way I was looking at starting the pricing. And as time goes on and more video, I mean, we already have like over 60 hours of videos. Like exactly like to start out <laughs> like it, that's what I'm saying. Podcasting, I, it's uh, worth game. more than five dollars. Super mm -hmm. cost more. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll consider, yep. I'll, cons I'll consider going up on it then. Let, um, let's follow this up in a few months, this conversation yes, and see yes, what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of following up, we need to talk. We need to give a shout out to Enterprise Center for answering a tag that was at nine o'clock at night last or nine <laughs> o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, last week, they I, t I tagged the wrong enterprise. I tagged the, where the St. Louis Blues play uh, their NHL hockey games, and their person uh, responded to us saying, "We think you mean somebody. We think you mean the other enterprise, the car." And that place. that was within a couple of minutes of the tag, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, I was <laughs> yes, sweating it, was. it because I just bashed Enterprise Rental Car, and I thought, "Oh my gosh!" I saw Enterprise come like in comment, and I was like, "Oh, here we go. Here comes my." <laughs> My first lawsuit as a as a result of this podcast. <laughs> no, I thought that was really, absolutely that's a marketing tool. <laughs> yeah, we, we no 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 we don't want that. <laughs> Joe, Come stop! On. Come on, let's go. Oh uh, no! Punch the monster in the mouth and, and see what happens. Uh, anyway, it was so anyway. cool that at nine o'clock at night they answered that tag. I thought that was super cool. That was very cool. That's somebody that's really paying attention, purely yes. paying attention to the chatter. I bet they're a very successful enterprise. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, definitely. So we only we only have a few minutes left here. Uh, hey. I, I I have a grind my gears that I forgot. I I said I forgot about, but I remember what it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. The All grind right. my gears was so uh so I told I. Uh, I ordered, a, I told you I've ordered like a big boy table for down here, right? I mean, with wheels so I can wheel it around the, the garage area and stuff and move it around. Well, I ordered one on Amazon and I found one today that I actually wanted instead where I was going to put my own, like I bought casters at Home Depot and put casters on so I can move it around. And I, you know, go to Amazon. I hit, okay, I want to cancel this desk. I get an email back like maybe two hours later saying, oh, no, we're not canceling it. It's already like it's already on the on the shipping dock. Like it's it's going. So I, I, I'm like, was this just like not hashtag not my job or something like what? Like you haven't shipped it yet. It's on your shipping dock. Don't send it. It's, it's as simple as that. Because like so that's what I wrote back to him was, hey, you know, for everybody's sake. Don't ship it because I'm just going to return it and I'm not paying the shipping coming back like to go back to you. I, I, I emailed you before you shipped it. Not my problem. 
Well, Do, should I should I like throw the keyboard now? Because I I'm, I'm not, I am mad. Like because like that. I mean now it's no now it's another thing. So like my hope is that I'll see the the people that when they deliver it and I'll I'll just refuse it and it'll just go back. But it's just like why why did, why does it need to be that way? I send an email, take it off, right? I don't know. Is it is it that time. easy to take it off? Like is like maybe it's not so easy taking it know. off. Maybe like, yeah. Like maybe, maybe there's a lot do. on there. Like I have to crawl over a bunch of boxes and crates and I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not. okay. I guess I don't know. I don't have have tough to guy. I think you, I think you need it's... to go down to that dock and <laughs> give them a piece of your super Joe Pardo business. I don't know where, I don't know where they're located. I'm going to, you know what? Now I'm going to try and find out where they're located. And, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Joe on the dock. If it's local, wow. it's local I'll, I'll go, but I don't think it's local. I, dock I, I have a feeling it's not. <laughs> dock war. Dock war. <laughs> Not hashtag not a boat. All right, so uh, our one co- we have one cool thing uh, that involves Google Drive. Who wrote that in the uh, in the? That show must here? be Jen. That, that was that was me. That was my desperate attempt to come up with something for the episode. Oh. Let me try to explain what I learned. <laughs> um, it has to do with a command in Google Drive uh, where you hit Shift plus Z, and what that does. Everybody, calm down. I'm so excited about this. What that does. <laughs> What it did for me is I had a bunch of shared individual subfolders into a, in a shared uh, Google Drive folder, right? And I had a document that I wanted to, sh- I didn't want to copy it 20 different times, actually 30 different times. I wanted to share that document in all of the folders. Are you tracking with me, yep. everybody? Yep, know, I've yeah. got you. Okay, so I just selected the document, clicked Shift plus Z. And then a window pops up and you can, you know, select the folder that you want to add it to. And it added it to all the <gasps> folders I want to add it to. But, okay, so this is a beautiful thing. If you need this to happen, in my case, I was making a swipe file um, for all of the speakers at the Small Business Grit Summit that I'm putting on. And so I had a social media content calendar that I wanted them all to have with a schedule and content for all the social media posts that I want them to do on behalf of the summit. So I wanted to make it super easy. So I was able to drop this document into all of their folders. Now, if I change anything on the master copy, it changes it in all the folders. If I delete it, it deletes it from all the folders. Um, So yeah, so I can continue to update it. Um, and they get updates all at the same time. I don't have to worry about them not all having the same exact document and and all the same changes. Yes, Mary Sue Dayhill. It is amazing. (laughs) It is amazing. Um, Trust me, you want to know this. Shift plus Z. That's awesome. Yes. And I am so happy I learned it. I'm going to um, turn it into a tattoo. And I'm going to put it on the inside of my wrist because I'm afraid I'm not going to remember, like if I have to do it again two months from now. And I think it would actually look like a pretty cool Taftu shift plus C. Yeah. <laughs> cool, right? That is awesome. That is so cool. That's my one cool thing. That that's is super awesome. cool. That, that's so cool that, that it's cool for all of us. Yeah. It's, it's cool for the world. <laughs> so so you have a master like a master folder that you put like the documents you want everybody to see yeah. in that folder and then hit shift plus c and then and add it to all it. the yeah. all the folders okay. that i want oh, to be in awesome. love it love it no copies required oh thank you google drive i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> oh that is so cool <laughs> oh, and man. that's our show folks yes that is the that is the show hopefully next week my my actual bell thing will be working i'm you know i'm not gonna be here unless it is oh well just kidding i'm just kidding i'll be here it needs to work all right well uh everybody i hope that you and your families are all staying safe if you have any suggestions or questions for the business geeks go you can send all of those to questions at businessgeekspodcast.com uh catch us next monday 8 p.m eastern daylight time and tuesday 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. Did I say it right this time? You got it right, Super Joe. Uh, Everyone in Australia loves you right now. Your your mom texted me. (laughs) I know. I was so embarrassed. I just wanted to just die. 
was like, you need to say it right. I'm like, all right, I, I thought I did. Oh, mind, it was, everyone's it was scared out. of my mum, even people on the other side of the world. <laughs> she said she enjoyed the show, though, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Thanks, <laughs> Mum. Uh, I appreciate it. Who's her favorite? I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's probably Joe. No, I, hope, I no, mean she hasn't okay. texted me. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, Jennifer, you're missing out. Oh uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> well, dear. She hasn't corrected you yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she's gonna correct me soon. Uh, <laughs> oh right, yeah, not so... my mum. She probably will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, Jennifer, did you get the cutout to send to your mom? Uh, no, not yet, but it's on my list. Oh, cool, cool. I was hoping to lose some weight first. I didn't want to be like a ginormous cutout. I didn't want to pay extra. I didn't want to have to like I didn't want to have to cut it down before I said it. Take a few inches off with my with my serrated knife. <laughs> Right. Well, thank you everybody for watching. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care. Ciao.